What's up everyone? We are back. It's Leancast time. A new episode with Samuel Frey, managing partner of Something Creative, a product strategy, product development um, studio based in Berlin and Vienna. This is the first time we are meeting each other. Um, we got in touch on LinkedIn and we decided to have some calls and have some talks. And I came up with a great idea of Samuel, why don't we turn it into a podcast? And Samuel was courageous enough to accept it. Thank you, Samuel, for being on the podcast. How are you feeling? Feeling great. Thanks. Super, super excited to, to getting to know you uh, this, this way. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a new age. Just podcasting is everywhere, and I think um, it's a great way of, you know, both of us are founders. You know, owning owning a, another business, we have responsibilities. So, sort of like for me, podcasting is like two birds, one stone. Great conversation, yeah. as well as doing something uh, for marketing. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Happy, happy to to uh, be here. Samuel, like, um, do you have a very interesting background? You, you know, looking at your LinkedIn, uh, you study philosophy at uh, Free, Free University in Berlin, Free University of Berlin, um, and uh, economics philosopher, being a political advisor, then, then you. Been, you joined Global Flow um, as a. It was a. You got you got to fill in us on Global Flow. It's a founding, a collective of founders, right? And from there, you started something creative. So very very fascinating background. Talk to me about sort of like how you ended up here, and. Uh, uh, why something creative? Hmm. Yeah, um, thanks for the question. Um, where do I start? I mean, of course, I can make a very long version out of this, but I think I'm going to go for a quick summary. Um, yeah, uh, I think uh, in my previous life, I like to say, which is uh, always a bit funny, I think, uh, from a person at the age of 26, but in my previous life, I was very much focused on, on politics. I got um, politically engaged very early on at the age of uh, 14 or something like that, I believe. I, I did a lot of um, high school politics, you know, hot stars becoming a, a student's representative then on the state level um, from my home state of Bremen. And uh, yeah, did lots of things, joined a political party, tried to start a political party and joined a different political party. And um, yeah, so so politics was, was definitely uh, at the center of my life um, for I would say 10 years or something like that. Um, university was, um, and school was kind of happening on the side, I would say. Um, and um, yeah, so after after I graduated from high school, I decided that economics is the right thing to study because I've mm -hmm. been so interested in, in politics. But I think uh, I thought back then going into political science right away is a little bit too much only politics. So I thought, let's go for economics, which is still very, very close. Uh, but yeah, then realized very soon um, it's not the right thing for me. So I, I more or less overnight packed my suitcases and, and moved to Berlin and um, sign up for, for philosophy, did that a little bit. But then um, slowly got more and more into tech. Um, I, I got a startup job in Berlin um, where, where I was my like, more or less first touch point. I started 
like coding a little bit on the side, teaching myself the basics. And then I found out about Code University um, where I started to study product management. I realized, okay, that's the right profession for me. <laughs> and uh, I think I've always been an entrepreneur by, by mindset, I would say. And then I started um, next to university. I, I started together with a friend. Um, yeah, started doing stuff, I would say. And that took, took slowly over and, um, you know, pushed pol politics um, out of my life to the major part. Um, yeah, and um, how did I end up at something creative? It's um, really, I would say, a little bit by accident. So one of my two co-founders, um, I met him already in high school. Uh, we decided to do something together. Um, he is the kind of guy, was the kind of guy who, you know, happens to be broke every once in a while. And I said, okay, let's find a way so you can actually also earn some money with the amazing talents and skills you have, because he's an extremely talented guy, uh, built his first website, I think at the age of eight, um, and, and already, I think could, could handle, um, probably 10, 10 programs of the Adobe suit, um, uh, while, while being asleep at the age of 20. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I said, look, let's, let's make sure uh, you also make some money out of that so you can pay for your, for your rent and your food. Um, and yeah, so it became bigger, more and more people from my network, you know, asked me, uh, you know, this guy, I heard, um, he's doing some freelance gigs. Uh, can you connect us? And, um, so we got more and more freelance gigs and I, um, at some point said, let's turn this into a business and let's do this, uh, mm -hmm. together actually. Um, and, uh, then it grew bigger and bigger. We got a third co-founder on board. We started hiring people and we have developed our focus ever since, um, in the early days did kind of everything, um, and now are fully focused on developing digital digital products with a very holistic approach, doing what it takes to make them successful, I would say, and, and bringing the skills on the table either um, through ourselves or, or bringing the right people on board who, who know how to do it. Mm -hmm. So that's a quick summary. <laughs> well, that's very well done, to be honest. I did not expect to uh, connect all these different dots together in less than five minutes. <laughs> yeah, I, I tell the story every once in a while. So, <laughs> yeah. so uh, let me just get it straight. You started early, early on, which is very impressive in your 40s, uh, 14, when you were 14, 15, to be politically active. Then uh, gradually you turned into an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Well, by gradually means like in about 10 years. Right, give give or take. Mm -hmm. um, politi politics versus entrepreneurships. What are the differences? What are the similarities? Mm. <laughs> That's an interesting question. I think first of all, I didn't really change from politics to entrepreneurship. I think I've been a political entrepreneur to a certain degree, and uh, okay. then I became a more like business entrepreneur. But uh, yeah, I think it, it has a lot of elements in common. What are the differences? Um, it's, a, it's a good question. Um, so I think one of the main things that drove me away from politics and into, into building mm -hmm. my business is that I have much more control over who I surround myself with. I think political parties mm -hmm. are a place that try to bring together a lot of different people from very various different uh, backgrounds, very different perspectives. Um, and um, yeah, so you're in touch with a lot of different people who might have a different mindset than you have. Um, and mm -hmm. that's something I really appreciate about entrepreneurship that I'm more surrounded, I would say, with people with a very similar mindset and, and I can do that. So that's, that's really amazing. 
Um, I think one thing that's really like pretty much in common is, you know, you need to be able to convince people. Um, yeah. I think as a politician about your political agenda or about you as a person, so they um, vote you into office, vote you into um, the board of the party. Um, and as an entrepreneur, um, of course, you need to convince people to follow you on, on the mission of the company and, and believe that you are the right one to, to lead this company. Otherwise, they will not join the company or leave it very soon. Um, so mm -hmm. I think that's, that's actually a big similarity. And I think I benefit from the learnings I've made in, in politics as an, as an entrepreneur. Definitely, like when it comes to entrepreneurship, it's so interesting that you mentioned it, that, um, you know, um, I've been behind Bonanza Design seriously from April 2020. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I was thinking about it exactly last night, that being an entrepreneur, being an owner of a business that you want, and you are seriously serious about growing it, you, it's a never-ending daily act of selling the idea to different stakeholders. Yeah, that's true. It Can never, ever ends. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Selling the idea to the, to the new employee, selling the idea to the new investor, selling the idea to the client. It's just, uh, it's sort of like a, it never ends. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. Um, it's, it's, it's really, really about that. And then also the idea always evolves, right? Um, I think no company mm -hmm. starts with like, we have this idea and then five years later, they have the same idea and then try to convince people of the same thing. Companies are like living organisms. They evolve. The founders, they evolve. They change their perspective on where they want to go. And um, yeah, so um, that's why you have to start selling again whenever you change anything, right? And convince people that also this new idea, this changed idea is still, still amazing. So something creative been around for four years, right? Roughly, yeah. It's hard to Roughly. say this is a start date. It kind of like was a side thing. Exactly. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's very difficult to pin down the start date uh, for sure. Um, so, um, you know, this is my curiosity. Bonanza Design is my baby. I've been a solo founder. How does it feel like to have other co-founders? Um, mm. If you, let's say, if you were to go to four years ago, what would you consider, um, what would you factor into your consideration when forming the teams? And just, you know, I'm, I'm very curious because I never... I, I've have, I've tried to bring in uh, partners. I've tried to partner with two other people. It didn't really happen. Um, so I'm really curious to get your take on this. Hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting time uh, to to answer this question because we are actually um, in the process, and uh, this is not like we made this public already. But my two co-founders are currently in the process of leaving their company um, because they decided to, to do something else. Um, but yeah, getting back to your question, I think in the end, um, it is probably the single most important decision you can make when starting a business. And this is also mm -hmm. why it's, you know, making, making a wrong decision about this um, is, is so often a major threat to the success of startups. Um, and, um, I think especially young founders, you know, they're still in the process of figuring out what is important to them, um, and, and what they want, um, from life. 
Um, yeah, so, so getting back to your question, what are the most important considerations? I think it's really alignment on values and alignment on uh, what do we want to achieve here? Which role should this company play in our lives? I think it's not necessarily the same role for every co-founder, but I think it needs to be very compatible. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I think there need to be, needs to be agreement on that. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's a lot of hard skills to look at, obviously, but I think it's really, mm, it needs to be a person or, or also more than one person where um, you can, you believe you can build um, continuously more and more trust and, and then you will be able to trust this person in the long term. Um, and uh, finally, I think it's also really important that you do this with people you can have a lot of fun with. Um, because if um, oh, yeah. you can't have mm -hmm. you can't have fun together, then also building a business um, is probably not worth it. <laughs> I I totally see the use case of having fun together. Um, however, there is another argument that is they say that um, business aside, party aside, how do you feel about this statement? Sorry, what's the statement? Uh, the statement that says you got to separate the business from the party from the um and how do you see that because when you said co-founders need to have fun together i can see the use case of it because probably mm -hmm. you spend hours of hours of work and you know i don't know if it, how how is it for you for me you know if i work eight hours nine hours a day it's not like I'm having euphoria every second. Like about 60, 70% of what I'm doing is accounting, maintenance, <laughs> things that are not essentially creative. So when, when, when I talk to people, I'm like, oh, wow, cool. You have a, you're, you're, you're managing director of a design agency and that it's so cool. I was like, uh-uh, it's not cool. Uh, you have no idea. So why, why the third factor having fun together? Mm. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it, <laughs> it starts with a good sense of humor, I would say. So also at work, mm. also when you're doing, <laughs> you know, the crappy part of your job that you're not excited about, you can make a joke about it and you can laugh. And that's, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. um, it's about taking uh, oneself not too seriously. Um, just honestly joking around um, quite a bit, approaching things with a light heart and with a, with a good attitude. Um, and, and I think then work can be so much more um, joyful. Um, but yeah, if it comes to, um, you know, also the fun part outside of work, when you, um, you know, go to a party <laughs> or, or something like that, yeah. um, I think to, to a certain degree, um, you need to have a friendship-like connection to, to co-founders, especially if it comes to the deep level mm -hmm. of trust, but it will always be different. I think the friendship you can have with a co-founder is never the same as the friendship you can have with somebody you only know mm -hmm. in your no, private life, I would say. Um, but still, I think it's really important to, to do stuff together and, and, and spend also free time together every once in a while. I think one very interesting statement that one of my advisors um, made is it's really important that you meet with your co-founders in a setting where you meet as humans and humans only and not as mm. like co-founders, as employees of this company or something like that. 
Um, so yeah, what, what I did, for example, is invite my co-founders over for dinner and I would cook for them. And, um, we, we do that. And, um, it's, it's a setting where, you know, sometimes also you deliberately do not speak about work, but really also care about each other's private lives and what's going on there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think that's crucial. And if you lose that, um, it erodes the foundation of your co-founder relationship. That's just so beautiful. I, I totally can sympathize with that because when I started Bonanza Design, I had this policy of work persons, they don't collide. I'm going to have my own personal life. I'm going to have my, my friends and then I'm going to have my own business. And whatever happens in the business is a business. Now, the more I'm working, you know, we've been around for two years and some months now. And, um, some of the folks I've been working with, I've been working with since the start, more or less. Now I feel like, no, actually I can see this person as my friend. Actually, I can see, I can see that I can go with this person to a museum or go sit in a park and talk or play basketball or football or whatever. Like, you know, um, I think, I think if you work with people and on a, on a project, um, on a business that you are both excited about and you are putting your passion and sweat and blood into it. I think, I think that's the best way to make a new friend too. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think it is always a little bit different kind of friendship, but that doesn't mean it cannot be a friendship. Um, and I, I think it's one of the most important learnings I had, I would say during this year. Um, building a company is essentially so much about relationship building um, and mm -hmm. building strong relationships with co-founders, also with, with customers, um, with employees, um, with, with partners, um, with advisors, and, and really um, nurture these relationships. Um, so you have a situation where, you know, the people you work with, you actually do care for for each other, care care about each other as as humans, um, and and only that way you can really build super strong business relationships as well. It doesn't, you know, goes to a different degree with different kinds of business relationships, certainly. Um, but I think without it, it's really really hard to build a very like stable stable company. Hundred percent. I think I think building business is all about caring. Like if you really cannot, if you don't have the capacity to care for people, especially in the service industry, you cannot really build a good business. Um, so just to give an example is that when I was a freelancer, I was before Bonanza, Design, I was just high, pay, high paid freelancer. I would get irritated so often, so quickly by clients, by their messiness of their organizations, you name it. And I always want to get out of the project, do something new because I would, I was one of those creative creatives. I would get bored so quickly of things. I had, I'm having, I have a bit of ADHD. I think everyone has a bit of ADHD. Uh, so, but now, um, having experience of Bonanza design really to be able to scale the business is basically the way I see it. If I, 
if Bonanza Design meant to become a successful business, it means that it has to care for its people, it has to care for its clients, it has to care for its stakeholder. And caring means, by no means, it's sort of like a marketing, LinkedIn type of like, you know, um, you know BS. It's not actual caring that, no, I, what, what is it that doesn't work for you? How can I help? All right, this is your situation. I can be patient. All right, there's you know we may, we work with a lot of messy organizations, and my team comes to me and like complaining that hey, da, da, da. it's like, and I was talking to one of my team members and um, I gave them this analogy, this example, that you know that you have some cousins or like brothers or sister that they are messy, they piss you off. Da, 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 da. But at the end of the day, you still love them, <laughs> right? It's that's the same mentality with our clients. You know, we you cannot take it personally. Hmm. Yeah, totally agree. <laughs> yeah, can can understand. So, what 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 do you do to to express that? Actually, we try to be very frank and str straightforward with our clients. Hmm. Um. But, you know, the type of straightforwardness that you have towards your loved ones, mm -hmm. you know, you, you say it to them, it's direct, but you layer it with, with, with extreme kindness and empathy. It's like, you know, um, it's a, you know, I still, I don't have a formula for it, but, but I think whenever I try to not, you know, you get a lot of different requests. And some of them, they don't make sense. Some of them are outside of the contract terms. So the moment I hesitated to say what's in my heart, that was always a bad decision. Hmm. So I, I realized that whatever happens, I have to be really honest first and foremost with myself, then say it straightforward to the client in the best way possible. Mm. Yeah, uh, I think yeah, definitely can can relate to that. I think it's really really important, and it makes um, very healthy relationship bet between you know you as a service provider formally and and the client. Um, yeah, that you're very very honest with each other. I think the perspective we're taking. Um, I've, I've also reflected a lot on you know the values we have, the culture we have. But I think one very important statement that came out to me in in the end of this process is. With our clients, we make your mission our mission, and we really mm -hmm. care about what that you succeed. Right? We are not here. Please give us a to-do list, and we we walk like work ourselves through it, and then we are done and say goodbye. It's not about that. We care about um, whether or not you succeed on your mission, but that also means we care what they do, what the people in in our client and the client's organization do, and if they don't hold up their end, we cannot succeed on this mission together. So it's important to tell them. And I think one, one very common thing is really if it, if it comes uh, down to goals, right? I, I realize that a lot of organizations are very unclear on what is it that they want. And it's really hard to always maintain a high level on clarity. But um, I, I started to become very, very frank about that and be very clear. It is your job to know where you want to go because otherwise, you know, we, we will not succeed. And, and um, if we cannot succeed, of course, I can earn, earn some money with you, but this is not why we're here. And this is not um, fulfilling in the long term. And, and it's a waste for everybody involved. 
Wow, yeah, 100%. It happened to me twice in the past two years and a half that two clients of ours, they were not clear about where they're going. And um, um, they didn't involve stakeholders in the projects, all the stake, key stakeholders. Um, the distribution of roles were not clear. And both projects led to a place that we were not happy about the results. Having that transparency and clarity inside internally, it's so crucial. Now, now someone, whenever we want to start uh, projects from now, from it's been a month now, month and a half that we allocated a, 45 minutes call with the key stakeholders to have this conversation that when we start the sprint, you need to attend every stakeholder, every, even your investors need to see the designs. Um, we need to make sure that whenever you say yes, it means that all the key stakeholders have seen the design and you arrive at a consensus that that's a yes. Right. So we really cannot like, jeopardize and the success of the sprint if we show if we know that the people that are working with us are not saying the last words or are not making the final decisions yeah yeah i totally agree and and i think this is always a big challenge from my experience right to get everybody at the table because everybody's busy and everybody has so many things to do mm. and it's really also you know, that comes back to this honesty. It comes back to also pushing for it and saying very clearly, okay, I understand you're busy, but if you don't make the time for this, we will not succeed. Um, and, and just mm -hmm. be very clear about that and, and not give in. Um, I think that's very important. What do you do when you start, when you face a client or face an organization that they lack goal settings? Like, you know, as a, as a business owner is your, is a responsibility to guarantee success and deliver successful projects. But if you see that a red alert or red line that, oh, okay, I sense that this organization is a bit messy or they don't have a proper objectives or they don't have a proper vision or strategy in place, what would you do out of curiosity? Mm. Yeah, I think that um, unfortunately there's a difference between what I would do now and what I have done in the past because I sure, think this sure, is sure, also sure. a lot a lot about um, confidence in the end, right? Um, working with bigger organizations, people being in C-level positions, me being mm -hmm. rather young. Um, sometimes it's really hard to, to speak up my mind, but my growth journey, I think a certain part of it was always growing in confidence because I often realized like being confident in situations really helps. Um, yeah, but I think it starts with being very clear. We need this and insisting. If we don't have it, we cannot succeed. If we don't have it, we can do our work, but we will not lead anywhere and you will waste your money. Um, so be very, very clear and frank about that. Um, and then as the next step, ask, can, can I help you with that? You know, I'm a, I'm a product manager by, by profession. It's part of my job to think about goal systems, implement mm -hmm. goal systems, make like trackable goals, um, make things measurable. It's, it's part of my, of the way I think. So I can help with that. I've, I've done it in the past. Um, and I, I say, look, I can help you with it. You can do it without me. It's up to you, but we need it. 
Um, and um, mm -hmm. if they if they say, oh, look, let's do it together, I would do a workshop on that. It's not like my core competency. We build products, but um, you know, I feel confident doing it. So so this is part part of what what we do then. Um, and if they say, no, we, we want to do it alone, we need to, I don't know, also like we have a, a facilitator or, or something like that ourselves already, um, then I say it's fine. And I ask when, when can I expect a result, right? Which is a bold statement, but I need a commitment um, because it's also for, for us, we are, we are there to plan the process in a way where we believe it yields the best possible result and we need to factor mm -hmm. it in. And this is really, again, you know, boiling down to we make your mission our mission. And if you don't hold up your end, I think we will fail on our, on our common mission. So I, I demand you hold up your end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What is your experience with that? Cool, I think. I mean, I really like your tagline, so to speak, or your mantra that we make your mission our mission. I think, I think you know, we didn't brand it like this, but that's our mentality as well. That, you know, um, we less and less we work with one-time projects. Yeah. So first of all, we don't, we don't do branding. We don't do website design. We don't advertise none of this. We only do fast prototyping and testing as an innovation package. And prototyping would be prototyping a business model, prototyping a product idea, a prototyping a service idea, prototyping a future idea, right? Anything on this chain of, of, on this value chain, we can prototype it. And often, you know, bigger companies, fast growing companies that they are playing with risky ideas, risky business ideas, and they want to pour in serious investments. We work with those on those, um, on fast prototyping and testing. And then we have, we have on the other side, we have another package, which is like app design, typical app design. Um, um, so we can go from concept, prototyping, um, testing, high fidelity design, UX engineering, and dev support, right? Um, so we increasingly now working with clients on the long term. So again, along the line as your mission, our mission, we, we try to become their design team. And this was someone, it was interesting. When I started Bonanza Design, I could not even see this. As you know, as you, you said something nice that you know, always plans change, you know, evolve. It's so true because, like, you always come into you want to start, a, you always start a business with certain idea in mind, and just one year in, two years in, everything is changed. So now we we continuously working, we increasingly working with clients on a retainer basis. So long term commitment because that's. That's where I can feel more useful and find more meaning as a, as a designer, entrepreneur, than this one time, two, three months project that, you know, they come in, they get something done and they leave. Yeah, I can definitely relate. I think that's also been part of, you know, our growth journey as a company um, that we, that we learned over time. Um, I, I think the most important thing that also lots of our, of our clients 
kind of we try to to make them understand is really you know innovation is not a project you cannot say we do it three months we have a budget of 100%. i don't know thirty thousand euros or something like that and then we are done with it um it's about you know building digital products um it's it's putting a living thing out there that will evolve over time all the time based on on the learnings you make and um yeah so we also moved away from this whole project approach because this is just not how it works so um, where, where we are at now really is um, we want to plant a seed of a very fundamental transformation that the organizations we work with go through. Um, and that starts with, you know, understanding what's going on there, teaching them a certain like perspective, I would say, um, then launching something, um, putting something out there, iterating on it, and then also enabling them that they can move out without us. Um, because what we care about um, is, is really, you know, how can we utilize the opportunities of the digital space for the better of humanity, because that's the way we create impact. And this is what, what also drives me personally. And uh, I think by, by doing this, you know, planting a seed in an organization, doing all the basics, putting them on, on track and enabling them that they can stand on their own feet and actually continue on this journey, will create a massive compound effect. Um, yeah. and, and I think this is the most, the most valuable thing that we can do. Um, yeah. So this whole like project, project thing. I think this is also what leads to the whole like bad reputation of, of agencies, um, you know, that, that might, some people might have in their mind um, because this whole approach of we come in, um, we have a fixed price. We do exactly that. We deliver a certain output, not caring about whether it gets us to the outcome <laughs> um, and then going out again. This is just, of course, of course, it's extremely unlikely that it works in the end. hundred percent. And then as a, as a, as a business also, you cannot, you cannot do anything because the contract is signed, the output is defined, yeah. not the outcome. Yeah. I want an app. Here's an app. <laughs> right? <laughs> Nobody uses it, but we build the app. <laughs> exactly. We build the app. Nobody uses it. It's not usable. Yeah. <laughs> or we build it and you cannot as a, as a business also you cannot you cannot say anything you've signed the contract it's an app you got it <laughs> right yeah. and but like can anyone use it no i think i think i think you said something really the the output versus the outcome mentality is like at the end of the day as a business like if you are at the business at the level that you can talk to something creative or bonanza design, money should not be an issue for you. Outcome should be. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, you know, it, sometimes I talk to clients and it's like, Hey, 100K. Like, hey, come on. 100K for you depend <laughs> based on your yearly. Are you joking? <laughs> are you joking with me? Like, uh, seriously, like, um, it's it's not about the money. It's not like I want your hundred k. It's about the outcome. Mm. It's about it's about if you want an app, build an app, go publish a post on one of these like online whatever platforms. You get an app. Mm -hmm. You get ten apps for ten hundred k, right? <laughs> but would that do something for you? Would that make the lives of your customers? your users different, make them better. Would that drive any of your business KPIs up? Not sure. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I think really, to me, this is really at the core, you know, the output versus outcome mentality. Um, and I think, you know, the way businesses operate, it really incentivizes output-based thinking because you need to like plan, you want to be very clear on, you know, this is what I want and, and this, I need to know how much it costs. The thing is, if it comes to digital innovation, you don't know how much it costs in advance. And I think um, the um, uh, like mental model or, or the, um, the idea that I always um, then quote is, is by Marty Kagan. Um, who talks about uh, the two unconvenient truths about digital product development. And, and he says, uh, and this is uh, certainly not 100% uh, accurately quoted, but he says um, digital products are about solving um, relevant problems, right? And um, you cannot, like, no matter how, even with a great product team, 50% at least of your attempts um, on solving a problem will fail because you don't know yet how this problem is solved best. If you know it, there's already somebody else, you know, who is who has solved it, and then it's not innovation, you know. Um, and and then the second um, inconvenient truth is, even if you found the right solution to this problem, um, it will take multiple iterations to bring it to a point that it that is actually satisfying. And this is something that I try to teach or be very very open and honest about with our with our customers. That's so 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 key, especially the second one. Because probably the first truth that you need to solve a real problem, thanks to LinkedIn, all the founders and executives already know that we have to go solve problems, customer problems. But I, I can confirm the second truth for you on that. I, I can confirm the second truth as well that there is not enough knowledge about the importance of iteration in innovation and product development. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm surprised and sometimes shocked, but by how undereducated executives are when it comes to the importance of iteration. Hmm. Yeah, it's, um, it is very, very hard to like, you know, fit into these business structures. I mean, there's a reason why this whole waterfall, waterfall approach on developing products, you know, it's not dying out, even though everybody says, yeah, yeah, we know that we need to be agile and, and this is the way to go. Um, and, and still in the end, you know, people do their, like build their digital products, um, you know, in a waterfall approach in sprints and they think it's agile um, because the waterfall approach fundamentally is so like ingrained in the way like businesses operate. Um, and this is really... Yeah, I think our job, probably your job as well, is, is very much about um, educating people about this and, and trying to make them understand. Yeah, it's essentially is that they want uh, this kind of people that they are already incorporated, uh, uh, you know, uh, agile methodology, they work in the spring, they do retro. So, you know, they, are, they do all these rituals and all that. And then I've met, I've had the chance to meet a few of these type of companies. They came to us or they came to us with a rigid form idea of the solution. And to me, that's, I'm telling them, this is not agile. In agile, when you're agile, you hardly think of roadmap because everything is evolving sprint by sprint. You need to be 
of course, you need to have some ideas where you want to go, but you need to be able to listen to the inputs and signals. You know, one of the things somewhere we do is like that uh, a lot of companies appreciate and we get more clients like this. It's like we help them to go through this fast cycle of prototyping, testing, learning from the inside, customer insights, and then again, iterating. So we do that quite really good. Um, so we, then I tell them when often have problems really, uh, we, we find we would get to conflict if a, a client or company are not prepared to be conflicted. We had client that literally the CEO came, he's like, we have this idea, go test it in the market and make it work. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I had this conversation two years ago. And, yeah, um, sorry. <laughs> yeah, what can you do? Um, it's, it's interesting to, how do you go about having this conversation with new clients, with people, with organization that they're not educated? Like, so let's just be a bit like out of curiosity, out of curiosity, let's just be a bit more pra practical. Do you hold them workshops? Uh, how would, because this education is key for them to pick up on the way you work. How would you go about this? Yeah, I think it's, Honestly, I think it comes a lot down to patience as well, um, because, you know, mm -hmm. I think I have the feeling sometimes, you know, people like us, we come from the startup bubble. Um, we've always done things like that. We maybe look down a little bit on the slow and, and, and uh, boring corporates and stuff like that. And, you know, uh, like tap our shoulders and we are so agile and modern, and, you know, um, and, and I think it's really about this patience and this understanding. Look, the people you're dealing with here. They come from a different background. They've um, been mm -hmm. shaped by different structures, uh, different work culture, and mm -hmm. this is why uh, they are who they are. And and also show a little bit of understanding and respect for that, and, and bring the patience to explain it to them. So um, I think first of all, yeah, be very open and clear about it. Of course, like um, bring radical messages. I remember um, a few weeks back, I did a presentation for a potential new new project and one slide that's just one sentence. The problem is nobody wants your idea. <laughs> and this is really um, like be very radical about it uh, because it makes them think, you know? Um, but yeah, mm -hmm. be very, very radical about it and then mention it time and time again at like so many touch points explain, this is a principle I believe in, this is why we're doing it that way and take the time and it might feel like it's slowing you down because we are here to build things, to innovate, to create things. And like sitting there and explaining people processes that we've done multiple times and we are so familiar with and that feels so natural to us um, really feels like a waste of time, but it's not. I, I think this is really about, you know, building a lot of trust. So when, when I work, um, when we work with, with companies, um, it's, it's often they, they put a lot of trust into us, right? We take a lot of responsibility for their success and, um, I need to make sure um, that they can trust me, right? That they can trust us and, and, and our team. And, and, and I think you build this trust by, by putting the effort of explaining um, 
and um yeah even even if it feels like sometimes like like slowing you down because it's worth it and this is how you get everybody on board and really get everybody on this you know this is our common mission idea because we we know exactly what we're doing and why we're doing it this is very your political background coming to your advantage <laughs> yeah <laughs> probably yeah <laughs> yeah how about you I think I'm I'm definitely picking up something here. I think patience, kindness, and over communication is really key. Yeah. Yeah. It's reflecting back. You know, just to be frank with you, sometimes sometimes it's difficult to be kind, empathetic, over communicative, because you know, we, we're running business too. Like it's not like it's often, it's often, you know, it's always been in a, in a client service provider relationship, service provider always is expected of them to go extra mile in every aspect. And, uh, as at the end of the day is the client who writes it, who pays the invoice. We are the ones who, so I have not, nothing, I have nothing not so much to say about this sort of dynamic. Actually, I like the idea of that taking more responsibility. I, I like that. I'm, I'm the person that I like to take more responsibility. I like, you know, if, if something happens around the business, I'm the ones, I, I, I will be the first one to say, I made the mistake. I apologize. I course correct. However, sometimes it's really difficult to be all of those nice adjectives at the same time. Over-communicative, kind, um, patient. Having said that, these are pivotal. These are crucial. Like whenever we being short of being frank, straightforward, unapologetically, Unapologetically, unapologetically kind and straightforward. Whenever we are short of these, we have compromised the success of the project, success of the enterprise. And because of this, whenever I interfacing with clients, it just I'm like, okay, even if it was the worst day of your life, you need to be put it aside. Really be attentive here and do your best for the client because, um, yeah, I mean, it's a word of mouth. Mm. That's, that's at the end of the day, okay, LinkedIn advertisement, outbound, inbound, account-based marketing, whatever, as if you cannot grow your business, if you're, if you're direct, so for service, any service founders, entrepreneurs that are listening to this, your main and only revenue well, channel for growing your business is word of mouth. Mm. You do a great job for one client, they introduce you to another department or they introduce you to another startup or company. Period. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree. 
Totally agree. It's re really important. And, and it's, it's really, for me, I always take it as a, as a sign that I overworked, that I pushed myself too far where I say, okay, here I need to draw the line when I, when I realize I, I lack, you know, the, the patience um, with not only clients, but with people in general where I'm like, I, I don't have the energy to explain you again. <laughs> if, I, if I get this feeling, then um, I know I need to <laughs> sleep an extra hour next night. <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah. Stop talking. Go out. Go out. Do not talk further. <laughs> Sometimes when I see exactly. Sometimes when I'm tired and I'm writing an email that I'm not sure should I send it, I schedule it for a day after, so I can go look at it in the morning and see whether I have to, <laughs> whether I still have the same feeling about that email. <laughs> That's a good technique. I might I might consider uh, putting that into my workflows. <laughs> Yeah, but I think so, it's in the end, it's, it's not only about the word of mouth, right? It's not only about the referrals. I think it's crucial for the business, but I honestly believe what I say, um, you know, when I, when I say we, we make your mission our mission because we care about mm -hmm. what the organizations we work with, what they want to achieve and the impact they want to have on this world. If we don't care about it, we cannot work with them. Um, and um, yeah, yeah, so... I don't know. We currently work on, on a project that's around education. It's, it's about, um, you know, empowering teachers to be better at their job. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it's just something that I can relate to so much because it's so important um, that people like young people get great education, also in public educational systems. Um, and uh, yeah, so, so we really believe in it. And if we don't do our job, job well, of course, first of all, the client would not recommend us, but we missed a huge opportunity to, to have a relevant impact. And I think that's a more painful part in the end. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, seriously, it's, it's great. This is, this is a great attitude that, hey, uh, the work I'm doing needs to... needs to needs to make an impact and nothing you know uh, it's it's you know maybe like if you're listening to this you feel like okay service provider wants to do the service and get the money and out but now at the end of the day you know we do this because i'm passionate about design i'm passionate about entrepreneurship i think this is something that drives me the most and whenever we feel like a project didn't get to that point that you know produces great result it takes me weeks to get over it to be honest yeah it's just not easy so i'm doing my 150 percent for every project because i never ever want to see a project um that became unsuccessful it's just it's i would have the worst days ever afterwards mm. Yeah, can definitely relate. <laughs> Out of curiosity, now, do you see do you see yourself as a solopreneur, or are you thinking about what's going to come next for something creative? <laughs> Big plans, and none of them are ready to be made public. <laughs> but yeah, it's, sure. it's amazing. Course, um, it's currently my, my main focus. Um, it, it has the highest priority because the decisions I made right now will impact this business for, the, for many years to come and, and therefore, of course, also my own life for many years to come. Um, 
So, but yeah, a few things I, I can I can say. Um, it's um, I'm also taking this opportunity to give this company a new direction. Um, so um, we might change also the way we present ourselves to the outside world. Um, I'm talking to people. I don't see myself as a solopreneur, to be honest, um, because having great co-founders, um, you know, that really goes with you through the struggle. Um, you know, you, you have you can have great employees, but it's it's not the same. Um, it, it's impossible that it's the same, right? Um, so, yeah, having people around me who go through the struggle with me, who are really always like on, on eye level, who challenge me and who have no hesitations to do so. Um, and, and yeah, have my, have my back, people I can trust like so much. Um, this is a crucial part of entrepreneurship to me and I don't want to, I don't want to lose that. So there are, there are conversations in progress, let's say. It's amazing. No, that's that's fantastic. That uh, I think in my in my experience that of course, if you are if you are alone, you can go fast. That's true. But if you are with people, you can go longer. You can you can. Um, and the, and that is the more the more it goes for me. Um, you know, Bonanza is past that point of you know. Right now, it's already established business. You know, um, if I ver go back to few years back when I was thinking about Bonanza design, wow, be like I would I would try to definitely bring in a pa partner because it's just simple things of being able to take one week of holiday. Like it's just a huge deal for me for, for a for a founder to be able to take one week off and know that there is a Sally, there is a Michelle, there is a Kirsten that out there uh that they're taking care of the business with the same level of attention that you have. That's crucial. Time passed by. It's I I it's like as if we started talking together ten minutes ago. We are fifty-four minutes in, Samuel. I think it's been a pleasure. I, I I'm really happy that we did have this conversation. Folks, just to repeat, this is our first time that Samuel and I meeting each other. So we didn't know we have, we were connected and stuff, but like this is this is the first time we're getting to know each other. Uh, thanks a lot for um, for your consideration, for sharing your input and knowledge and experience. Any last words for our audience? Thank you so much, first of all. Um, what are the last words? Um, <laughs> I think it's really, um, you know, what we talked about a lot. Um, if there's anybody in the audience I think no matter what you do, whether you build a company, whether um, you, you're employed in a company, you consider building a company in order to stay in there for the long term and, and find it fulfilling in the long term, it's really important that you really care about the impact what you do creates. Mm -hmm. And this is really what gives me a lot of energy and I can only uh, recommend everybody to, to look for it if they haven't found it yet. Caring, caring, caring. With that... This is the last, this is the end, not the end of the podcast. This is the end of this episode. 
Thanks a lot for being with us, folks, until the next episode, until the next guest. Have a great time. Thank you.